Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Bike Karma. Bike Karma is a podcast about all kinds of people and all kinds of bicycles. So we're looking for those common threads that tie all people who love cycling and bicycles together. Today we go to the future with an interview about velomobiles, which basically means bicycle cars. Are they the future of transportation? We also go to the past with a vintage roll, and a vintage ride is where everybody on the ride is riding vintage bikes, in this case before 1980. And we also take a look at our new invention, the Bicycle Speakinator, which is a device that can pick up on any bicycle-related conversation in the entire world. All we have to do is click on what we want to hear, kind of like the NSA, but with bikes. Also, big apologies because I know that the sound quality on this episode is a lot lower than normal. It's because I did not get a windsock in time for a couple of interviews, and also there is a problem with my digital recorder. So I'm working on it, and we'll be back up to normal quality within the next couple of episodes. Uh, But until then, I appreciate your patience. The stories are still good, but the uh, recording quality is less than I wanted it to be. So thank you for coming and hope you enjoy the stories this month. I know I'm I'm two days late. Okay, welcome to Bike Karma, and today we have a Velomobile enthusiast who have Velo means bicycle and Mobile means like car, and these are very cool machines that were at our bike swap meet today. I have Devin Skelton, Mike Zish, Dan Kilday, and Meryl Gay. And they are here, and I want to just first thank them very much for coming. You guys were like sprinkles on the on the cone today. You guys really beamed it up for us. So really appreciate you coming out, even though there was some rain today. And uh, it, it made it more exciting. Put the show and bike show. You guys on the high wheelers made my day. These Velomobiles, they're amazing. They look like you're about to try and break some speed record with them on soft flats. But you're driving around the roads of Connecticut. So where are you guys all from? I'm from Beacon Falls, uh, Terryville, Connecticut. I'm the eastern part of the state, Canterbury. And I'm in New Britain. So how did you guys meet up together? Across, we can cross online. Uh, a particular forum that we, we visit for recumbents in general. And uh, I was looking to actually purchase my first automobile and found that uh, Dan was doing the same thing. So he had... Uh, Two months advanced knowledge, <laughs> basically. So, yeah, he got here shortly before I did. So we were both really in, in, interested in going in this direction. So we got to discuss them. And uh, Merrill and, uh, and Mike both have been riding for some time. So what we got is it's a recumbent, but it's enclosed entirely. And check out the pictures. We got some nice pictures that you can take a look up on the website. You guys don't call them recumbents. Well, the, the typical name is Velomobile because that includes the fairing, whereas a recumbent bike could be an open or it could be uh, with uh, any two pieces of fairing, like one in the front, maybe a tail box on the back, but the Velomobile describes exactly what it is. Now, I'm just going to kind of come in from the guy on the street perspective with Velomobiles. So, bear with All right, so, did you guys all start riding bikes? Yes. Yes. 
Okay. So he started riding bikes, and then he said to himself, I want... Less pain. Yeah. Less <laughs> pain. Was, I, I was tired of leaning over the handlebars. I went to upright handlebars, and then I still didn't find riding a bike very comfortable. Um, I came across pictures of a recumbent trike, looked, thought about that, but the uh, price tag on a green speed was about three grand at that point. And uh, then I found pictures of a square aluminum uh, trike that somebody was selling as a kit and um, decided there wasn't any welding that I could build it myself. So I built one. I, mean, I built a shell around mine. Oh, wow. I uh, built a fairing around it. And um, a little web page, a little blog, nbtriker.org. Mike saw it and uh, figured out that I was only a couple towns away. Came over to look at it, we started building him a trike, and then uh, we got a bonus and uh, found a fat trike on on the Bent Rider Online webpage. So like a lot of people, you know, we get into biking because it makes us feel great. And then you get to a point where times you need to change, you know, either the handlebars are giving you a hard time, a lot of people have gone to recumbents for knee pain, hip pain, and all kinds of stuff. So do you find that these are more comfortable to ride? Yes, much. Yes. Did, it, did it work the way you wanted it to? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I rode 160 miles in a day. Yeah, nice. We rode across the country. Yeah, in his previous. There was an organized ride in 2010 where a bunch 11, of 11. Yeah. 2011, a bunch of velomobiles uh, from Europe came over, a bunch from America did, and rode cross country in 30 days. From Portland, Oregon to Washington D.C. So you guys are taking huge advantage. The outside, what we on the street would call the shell, or the outside is called the fairing. Yeah, yes. it's a narrow body. dynamic shell that uh, at about 15 miles an hour, the aerodynamics kick in. So give us just the tiniest bit of a hill, and we'll see now. Downhill, yeah. yeah. Tiny bit of a downhill. So you got a huge advantage from yeah. that. Yes. That's awesome. And so what are the typical speeds that you would go? Are you... On, a, on a flat, on, if, if we can find a flat here in Connecticut, on a flat, we can cruise between 20 and 25. With a nice burst of speed, a, you know, momentary burst, we can hit over 30 miles an hour. Wow, so you're so, going car, car right, speeds. Right. Yeah. And uh, downhill is, yeah. is crazy. Yeah. My fastest is 66 miles an hour. All right, and, let's and let that sink in for the listeners. <laughs> 66 miles per hour on the downhill. If and the first question people have when they hear that is, was it, did you feel safe? Yeah. And very safe. Uh, especially the, the one that I have has the cambered in wheel, so it's got a very aggressive grip on the road. So there's no wheel wobble on the front wheel that you get when you're on a two-wheel bike at that speed. It is very, very smooth. And you have suspension on the front wheel, so it Keeps everything on the ground. What, what size wheels are you guys riding? 20 inches in the front and 26 in the back. Wow. So these are traveling machines. Now, from the outsider's perspective, is this like when somebody goes out and buys a road bike, or is this more of a, you want it as transportation? You want people to start seeing this as like a valid option for, because you're covered. Now it's kind of like a car. It's like you're you're straddling the fence between self-propelled bicycles and um, car. Well, Mike like Mike describes it that way. The lot is an all-weather bicycle. I mean, I'll ride to the office in 35-degree weather wearing shorts and a t-shirt and be okay. Whereas if I was on a road bike, I'd have two or three layers of clothes and still be cold. Absolutely. And I don't fall over. 
Yeah, we can't, there's the, the gravel or dirt in the winter doesn't affect us. We have two wheels in the front, one in the back, so we're very stable. So you ride this to work every day? We commute to work, we can race them. Yeah, we can tour with them. They're, Great they're, for touring because they got all sorts of storage space inside. So most of us would say, you know, like, hey, I have, I, I want more bikes. <laughs> <laughs> we all want more bikes. We all want more bikes, M plus one. When I go to look at this, these look like substantial investments, and that might be the only thing holding back them from being all over the place. What what am I looking at if I wanted to try this this, this mode of transportation? Least expensive probably is a roto velo, uh, about six thousand, I think, or a kit, or a kit, the, kit, the uh, FAW. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's pronounced FAW, but it's FAW are the letters. FAW uh, and. Uh, did the one that you get did that come out of Odessa, Texas? Um, mine was actually I bought. I was the fourth owner of mine. Okay. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a place in uh, Odessa, Texas that sells them as a kit, and like five thousand dollars. So it's it's sheet metal, together. you know, aluminum. Um, uh, I mean, sheet metal, and you rivet it all together. So it's a. It's there's a, a friend of ours that we kit. ride with who does have one. Yeah. And you know, put it together. So, so yeah, the, these are them using as car replacement. So as a car replacement. Okay. So if you, you made this investment, okay, and you had this, you, that's scary. That's a scary amount of money right there for me, um, for most people, I think. You know, and there's people dropping that much on a regular mountain bike. Well, not regular, expensive high-end mountain bike, expensive high-end road bike that would be like Tour of France level. You know, when you thought to yourself, I'm going to like this, I'm going to write the check, I'm going to spend this much on this hobby, this this movement, this life change, depending on where you're coming at it from. What number do you think you would enjoy it going into it on a scale from zero to ten? And what number do you actually enjoy it after making that big investment? I, so think, mine, I think mine stayed pretty consistent. I, I was pretty convinced that, uh, that I was going to absolutely love this. I was really hoping that with the electric assist in the hills, uh, that it would provide enough uh, comfort getting up and over those hills every day, that it really could replace my vehicle. And it, it has very much so uh, replaced my vehicle. And this, this is the Batmobile that right. we're talking about. And that has electric assist, but you can't just turn on the electric. And right. go. You, There's no you, throttle. You, so it's only helping you to pedal. Right. So yeah. it, okay. if I stop pedaling at any time, the assist cuts out. Got it. Got it. So you say, we went in thinking it's going to be a 10 out of 10, and it ended up being a 10 out of 10. Maybe even 11. I think it's, it's been 11 fantastic. 11 out of 10. That's yeah. awesome. How about you? Uh, eight and a half and 11. Yeah. yeah. So you love it. We, oh, we, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I canceled my gym membership. I get all the exercise I need besides walking my dog. This is my primary mode of exercise. and. Not my primary mode of transportation, but I ride it. I maybe take a month off a year. They really are all-weather bikes. Um, I've ridden in zero degrees, wind gusts up to 20, 25 miles an hour, torrential rains, really hot weather, humid. Dan, what do you say? Probably like that, eight and a half and a ten. I mean, I was my concern. Yeah, you know, concerned about the hills, uh, but I just found now that there's a lot of steeper hills that I have to climb up, but I pedal very slowly going up because they are heavier. But it's a blast going downhill. I, and there's roads where you're going down a, down a big hill, you're going up the next hill, you've got enough momentum from the previous hill to go right up and over. Where on a bicycle, I would have been pedaling again, shifting gears. I just 
cruising it's, right up and over. It's gone. nice when you get into that zone. Yeah, rollers of up and down, up and down. Oh. There's some fantastic rides that way. It's it sounds like you guys are after 50 miles an hour, you said you're getting to that point where the aerodynamics really kick in, so you're able to sustain that a lot more than somebody on a bike who's getting that full force. They say that wind. because the aerodynamics, anything above 15 miles an hour or so, about 80% of the biker's power is put into overcoming air resistance. Just pushing the wind out of the way. And that's what they're making yep. their bikes lighter and lighter, as light as possible, but they're still having, they can't overcome aerodynamics. Yep. We, and you, we have you 75 have. to 95 pound bicycles, but we can still go faster because of the aerodynamics. So that's how much they weigh? Yeah. So, yeah, since I started with a trike, I kind of already knew what the position was going to, you know, the riding position was going to be. Putting the shell on it helps, um, and then going to a manufacturer as opposed to a company. It was everything I expected it to be as far as proving the ride. It's a great experience. Everyone loves free entertainment. Yes, it's, and that's what we are. Free entertainment for the rest of the week. It, it's just, it really is amazing. It doesn't matter uh, where a person's status is in life. Everybody loves the Velomobile. It comes up, everybody comes over with a smile on their face. They're just beaming ear to ear going, what is this? We've never seen this before. It's just fantastic. We're just bringing all kinds of status of people together. Yeah, you guys go to a lot of events too. Yes. I mean, I've seen some of your postings and, and such. I mean, you basically are an event when you're on the road because there's there's like four of you guys yeah, you, that I've seen in my life. You can't be in a hurry yeah. to go somewhere in a velomobile because you'll be stopped anywhere along the road. I've had people while I'm queued up at a traffic light run over to take a selfie with me right beside me in the velomobile. <laughs> Are you a bike or are you a car? When you get out onto the road, where are you riding? You know, like I get yelled at on my normal bike. I get people, you know, drunk people in automobiles yelling at me to get on the sidewalk with a bicycle, which is totally not legal and just wrong and harassment and all this stuff. Where do you guys go? Do you get yelled at? Do you get honked at? Do you feel safe? Where do you go and what's it like out there for you? One of the primary things is that when, when you see a velomobile, you don't see the feet spinning underneath. So everybody believes that they're seeing a car. So we get, if only for a moment, we get car respect. We don't get bicycle disrespect. So as we're going down the road, they'll give us room. They'll think it's a car. They'll wait to pass for a safe moment to pass. They won't just crowd us off the side of the road. The, the way people ride around me in the Velomobile versus even the trike or a two-wheel bike is completely different just because of what they see, what they physically see. What's your legal status? Like, legal status is we can take the entire bicycles. lane if we want. So it's just like a bicycle. Bicycles, yeah. okay. So we can ride on a bike trail, a path, we can ride in a bike lane if we want, and we can also take as much of the lane that we want to consume. So we are a bicycle. And but as a bike, you only have to stay as far to the side as we be as, safe. As what as we, we determine, determine safe. Is what safe. you determine right. to be safe. People have to and give you the three feet. You know, one of the concerns, the biggest differences, is that the bicycle has two wheels in line. So hazards in the road can be easily missed, whereas we have three individual wheels so we have more, we have three opportunities to hit that same imperfection in the road so we have to pay a little bit more attention so we may be a little bit further out just because there are so many hazards 
closer to the shoulder. How should a driver, how would you want a driver, if you could talk to all the drivers listening right now and say, here's how I want you to treat us if you ever see a Velomobile on the road. Slow well, moving car. Okay, so treat like a slow moving car. Got it. Or tractor. Or tractor, farm in, in Anything, yeah. you know, yeah. anything that would be slow moving, a school bus or something like that. It seems like a reasonable, sane response. Right. If you really want to look at us, pull over and look at us. Don't cause an accident rubbernecking and drifting into the other lane. The most common thing is people see us, they come up behind you, say, on a two-lane road, and they'll follow you for a quarter mile or half a mile. So they start stalking and, Well, they're trying to figure out what you are most okay. of the time. And then when they do pass you, they pull all the way over into the other lane. Invariably, it's going up a hill when they can't see, and they're hanging out the passenger side window taking video. Um, so we just want them to make sure that they don't have to run into us to avoid head-on with somebody else. Just you know, They still have to pay attention to driving. So you would rather somebody safely pass you, pull up ahead a substantial way, and then wave at you? I, I had a video as we come past. I, I mean, was riding through a town locally, and I had a guy who's pulled over, passed me in a, an awkward spot, pulled over in a gas station to take a picture, and then he passed me again. He did this five times he stopped and I finally stopped the fifth time because he had trouble getting his camera to work and took the help him take the picture but that's it's so unusual people want to do that they want to take the photos yeah so the freak factor is very high I call it the freak factor the cool but factor. just the cool factor the, the thing that the confusion and we do take advantage of it as much as we can they're looking at us so we tell them please watch the road Pull over over there if you have a question. So they are listening to us, they're looking at us, and we have their pretty much undivided attention. So we do try to take advantage of it and let them know, like, right there on the road, what we'd like them to do. Stop following me so close. Right. Lay off the horn. I have a horn too, I'm just not using it. So you're using your celebrity status right. as this really cool mach machine operator to kind of inform people and hopefully start to educate them about. And you keep know, us safe is the number one safe. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But if, if, if we were to uh, ask them to do one thing, it would be pass us safely, get out in front of us with enough room, pull to the side of the road if you really want a picture or video, but you can kind of flag us down. We love to talk about it, so if we've got the time, we'll pull over and let you take a closer look. But definitely pull to the side of the road and prefer not to uh, be doing it while flying. So the big take home here for people who are just curious is to don't be unsafe with yeah. you guys. And remember that there's a person inside that pool machine. Google Velomobile, there are lots of different uh, models and lots of pictures. Um, Vent Rider Online has a message board section. It's got uh, lots of stuff about Velomobiles, as well as a classified ad place if you're interested in looking for a used one. I think the best suggestion uh, Merrill just said was Bent Rider Online, which is a form that we all found out each other, about each other. Um, Say it one more time. Bent Rider Online. BentRiderOnline.com. BentRiderOnline.com. And they post questions like, what about this? Well, if I'm six foot four and I weigh this much, which model would be better for me? And that's the response. And I've, I had a gentleman from Australia come and check mine out. His wife happened to be coming in New York City for a, a speech and he said, you know what, I want to see one, this is the easiest way. So he, 
he came to New York City, drove three hours up to see me. That's, you know, unfortunately, they're not common. There's only a couple hundred in the United States, I think, so, or North America. I so, got four of you guys right here. Yeah, well, this is this is 80% of, 80 of Connecticut's uh, Velmobiles yeah, are here. Nice. Yeah. So that, that's probably the best way. And you reach out and you, you might find out there's somebody who's, you know, in the same state as you or, you know, uh, close by. All right. You guys are great ambassadors for getting it out here. I do appreciate you coming today. Uh, anything else you want to shout out? What, any one thing you want to say about Velomobiles before we go? They're just great touring and um, commuting vehicles because the shell makes it much more comfortable to ride. They're the future. Replaces the car for your commute to work. It can. It can, yes. Wow. All right, guys. Devin, Mike, Dan, Mel, thank you very much for the interview. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys again. Right, well, thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. organized a vintage roll today in Farmington, Connecticut. And uh, what got you started with this? How many years have we been doing this, this ride? Well, we, me and my daughter started about five years ago. And uh, it's a very casual uh, ride. Uh, I bought her uh, an old rally some time ago that she uh, rode to school, uh, college, for uh, four years, pretty much every day. And uh, when she got out of college, we decided we were going to start doing a, a vintage ride here in Evansville. So we started doing uh, this ride from uh, Unionville to Collinsville, and stop for a while and turn around and go back using the old bike. So it was uh, a fun and comfortable ride and uh, casual. Yeah, I had a great time. Everybody was very laid back and chill, and just enjoying each other's company and not trying to break any speed records just kind of just going with the flow it was really nice right we try to we try to maintain a, a very casual pace so even if uh, you know, we had we had a, a young kid uh, this this year and uh, was able to uh, keep up pretty much yeah he was on a mini 10 speed bike he was on a, a jetan uh, probably a, a 1970s Jetan road bike. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was minute yet perfectly formed. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it looked like a, a, a half scale. Uh, yeah, exactly. half half scale road racing bike. Yep. And it's a 20, 24 inch wheels. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it had regular drop bars, and that was pretty nice. But uh, hopefully, uh, over the we keep this going for a few years, we'll get more and more riders with a lot of different bikes. I mean, 
and uh, that's really one of the reasons I started it on top of just having a fun time is seeing all the uh, nice old bikes that are still out there. So do you ride uh, modern bikes as well? Yeah, yeah I have, uh, well, relatively modern. They're all uh, they're all steel except, yep. except for my mountain bike, which is uh, aluminum. But even that one is uh, 2004. But what is the push? What it, what does it mean to you to take out a vintage bike? What are you thinking while you're riding it? Well, I think it just it brings back the uh, the simplicity of riding. There's no carbon fiber, there's no fancy gears, there's no uh, real expensive stuff, it's just a very basic bike that you can have fun with and it's comfortable and uh, you don't have to wear fancy shirts or cleats or anything, right? So it's just uh, it's a lot of fun. You're in the upright position, you've got a, you've got a nice Hummer. Want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, it's a 19... It's a 1961 uh, Hummer Sports, similar to uh, Rally Sports, but I think it was not too far after Rally Bottom that brought Hummer. So they still have a lot of the same uh, Hummer type uh, features on it. And one of the one of the main features is the split uh, fork, it has a double fork on it, and that was one of the patented features of Hummer bikes. The aristocrat bicycles. Aristocrat of bicycles. What is the coolest bike you've seen on the ride? Like, you, you gotta have a favorite where you've said, hey, that bike is pretty cool. Well, so far, it's yours. <laughs> uh, nice. It's uh, unusual. Uh, wait, what was the name of it again? It's an Adler. Adler. It's a German Adler. German Adler, yeah. That's that's probably about the, the most unique one I've seen so far. Uh, most of the, uh, in the, the past years, uh, a lot of them I brought I brought my bikes along, so I had a few other people riding my bikes. They've mostly been uh, rallies in Columbia this year. Uh, Columbia Fire Arrow that I one, rode one year, which is it's in really nice shape also. Now, some people call vintage like, you know, the 80s and Devo and stuff like that. You picked the deadline, the cutoff for this. You know, you let everybody ride, you right. know, who shows up because it's fun and it's laid back and you're a cool guy. But you said it as 1980, as like the the year. Where how'd you come up with 80 as the year? Well, that was. I mean, I think around 1980 uh, was probably about the first time you'd see. Uh, I think they came out with a carbon fiber uh, handlebar. Probably about that time. I don't remember the exact date. Uh, but it started to be a lot more uh, complex. Uh, gear systems and stuff after that. Before it was all you know, 10 speeds. Um, I think not too long after 1980, there was he started to get into six speeds and seven speeds and things like that. So I thought it was a good, just a good date. No, it's a good date. It's a good date. I'm not questioning the date at all. I just want to know what. Yeah, it must a, be hard to pick, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could go. The problem is you could go a little bit later, but then you start running out of, you know people that would bring, you know, 1980s, uh, nice road bikes or touring bikes and things yep. like that. I really like the old, still the old steel bikes. Yes, steel is real. Yeah. Love that too. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Go throw your curveball. 20 years from now you're doing this ride. Still 1980? 
Uh, probably. All right. Yeah, I don't see anything uh, in the in the bikes that are coming out now that would really make me change my mind. Yeah, and there's uh, there are still some uh, some bikes other than uh, like custom some custom bikes are starting to come out with actual production bikes that are uh, old looking also, yeah. which uh, are nicer, more simple, and still steel. Unfortunately, most of them are going to aluminum or regular welded frames, so you can kind of pick them out. Yeah, these these bikes are amazing in that you know as long as we keep them inside, you know, they could they could be riding you know three four generations from now. Thank you very much for an enjoyable ride today. I really appreciate it, and hopefully see you again next year. Yeah, thank you. Oh, hello! Here at Bicycle Karma Science Labs, we've been working extremely hard on bringing you the most innovative technology available to bicycling podcasts around the world. We've created a device that at the flip of a button is able to tune into any bicycle-related conversation going on anywhere around the world. It's called the Bicycle Speakinator. It takes conversations from the trails and bike shops and back alleys of the world and brings them to your fingertips. All you have to do is set the dial and then sit back and listen. Enjoy. Okay, so I am pretty excited to have this piece of technology here. So apparently all I have to do is to set the dial on what type of conversation I'd like to hear and then somewhere around the world we'll pick up that conversation. So let's go, ooh, let's click on mountain biking trails and hear what we can hear there. Are you not done fixing that tire yet? Why do you hang me like this? I can change them in under a minute when no one's bothering me. Because if you would switch to a tubeless setup like I mentioned last time we rode and the time before that and the time before that and the time before that and the time before that, you wouldn't have yes, to worry yes, about Yes, yes, you love the tubeless. <laughs> so yeah, while you're over there fixing your tire, I can check under this rock. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, ow, it hurts. Hurt. Okay, tire change. Ready to go. Are you kidding? That's that's it? How much did we spend on this? That that's pretty damn significant. That's I could have gotten a new new digital recorder for that much. I mean, really? Alright, I guess we have to use it for a few more weeks. Let's try something else next week. Wait, what do you mean the mic's still on? Well, turn it off. Thanks. Later on the vintage ride, when we stopped at LaSalle Market, get a chance to talk to some of the folks who are riding with us. 
I got a chance to talk with Dan Circus and his wife Elaine Tumiki, and I also had a blooper-like segment with Ryan McMahon. And once again, I apologize very much for the horrible, horrible wind noises. I had a windsock on order at this point, and unfortunately, my recorder got damaged as well. So I'm doing my best to clean it up. We'll go back to higher quality recordings in the future. But uh, for now, please bear with me. The stories are good. The sound quality is meh. Well, here we go. Back to part two of the vintage ride. I was on Facebook and I saw that there was a vintage ride right near where I lived. So I pulled on my vintage bikes and my wife and I came for the ride. Is this the first time? This is my first time on this particular vintage ride. I've been on uh, a few other kind of race bike vintage rides in the past. And uh, this was just a perfect afternoon to uh, pull out our, our his and hers Raleigh tourists. Yeah, those are amazing. Thank uh, you. This, this is my first my first vintage ride and the furthest I've ever taken my vintage bike. <laughs> I was a little nervous, yeah? to be honest. I was kind of nervous about the single speed. I was nervous because I'm so used to having my touring bike, you know, that you can yep. go hundreds of miles on. I haven't actually ridden the old bikes this far before, so you've gone so, on other ones before. I've been on rides on my vintage Raleigh chopper, so if you can ride, if you can take a Raleigh chopper any distance, you can, I guess you can take any bike anywhere. So, <laughs> so you've got rod brakes. Yes, they're, I use the term brakes loosely here. <laughs> I'd have to say they're about the worst brakes I've ever experienced on a bicycle. They're really aesthetically pleasing though. They are, they are. Yeah. So, do you find it the same? <laughs> I leave a lot of distance to stop on the rod brakes. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I always have a turn off. Like, a, <laughs> somebody stops, I can go on the grass. Everybody wants to try rod brakes, and everybody <laughs> yeah. is amazed at how little they work. Yes. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> no wonder these things aren't popular anymore. So you have a couple of Raleigh tours. I just yeah. traded for yeah. one. I mean, it's obviously it's something just about every bike collector wants to have in their shed is at least a, a Raleigh three-speed or a rod brake version of it. So you guys actually lucked out and you had one that you got and then you found a new old stock. Exactly. That so, looks like literally as if we traveled back in a time machine. To, it to was, when it came out. It was an amazing find. I have a, a, a good friend of mine, Jim Barnard, uh, spent years in, uh, in the Northeast hunting down old bicycles. He had a he had the New England Muscle Bicycle Museum, and uh, he knew I had a Raleigh DL1. And when he found it, he said, "Dan, I pick up this bike. You know, pay me what I paid for it. It's yours." I'm like, "Give me that bike." <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, not a lot of miles on it, not, you know, not a lot of occasions to ride it, but it's a, a, an afternoon like this is just perfect. As I recall, that was a birthday present to me. Yeah. So do you ride modern bikes? Yes, yes. What do you have for a modern bike? Oh, uh, let's see. I have uh, my, my favorite bike on earth. I have the Eddie Merckx Team SC. It's a early 2000s uh, racing bike. Uh, Steel is real? Scandium. Scandium is yeah. <laughs> best riding bike I've ever been on. Uh, I have an old, I have a vintage uh, Eddie Merckx with Campy Super Record 
uh, the Molteni Orange. Just last year I bought a, uh, a new mountain bike, uh, a Rocky Mountain Element. I forget which model, but it's the, the fancy carbony one. And that's the best mountain bike I've ever ridden. I can't get over how nice it rides. So now when you get back on your vintage rally tourist, what a piece of poo! <laughs> really? Yeah, I you know I just I did a ride this morning How with about a friend. Three nice things. How about a compliment? <laughs> yeah, so much for the it it looks cool. It's it's cruising in style. It's fun. You know, I love vintage stuff. But man, I, you know, I got off like a long ride this morning from my uh, from my Eddie Merckx road bike, and then I you know the next thing I hopped on was this thing, you know, dusting it off and pulling it out of the shed. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> But flats, it's unbelievably simple. It yeah. is almost yeah. like just walking down the street. Yeah. It's that easy to ride. So I can understand yep. if you needed it for just transportation and yep. not exercise, yep. that's the way to go. And on the on the Mercs, I you know, I couldn't do it in my in my Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have an interesting kid on right Yeah. <laughs> It's all about style. Got to have the right costume for each bike. <laughs> he was thinking he should have worn his Frank Sinatra straw hat instead of the helmet for the match with the bike today. Oh, well. That's nice. You got the men's and the women's model right there next to each other. Yep, yep. Very cool. I, I do love getting out on a ride with, with my wife. So do you okay. think that these would be the last bikes that you sell? Um, I've been on the fence with, with, with these, you know, I've got, uh, as you might guess, I've got a few bikes. These, uh, I like them, like today, I couldn't enjoy any bike more, uh, but it's like less than once a year, you know, those things come out of the shed and, and, and get ridden on. So that's the, uh, that's, that's the challenge with those, but do you feel I do like, like the them. problem is that you should be taking them out more, or just that the problem is that you don't need them? I think um, I feel like if, if I, you know, if they came out twice a year, hands down, I wouldn't even think twice about about getting rid of them. And uh, I just, you know, as folks that like to own a lot of things, you get twisted up about storage space and, and things it might like be that. Easier now that we're going to be empty nesters, you know, we'll be able to do more stuff like this. Yeah. So uh, we rode these in Northampton. That's right. Ago. Yeah, that's right. Now, uh, now, yeah, I'm remembering an, an, an epic uh, weekend with my wife. We, Brian Wilson had just started touring again. We brought our Raleigh tourists up, and uh, we saw the show. We stayed over. We had breakfast. We rode our our Raleigh tourists around the uh, limited bike paths that were there at the time, and uh, and then headed back. And that was quite an awesome weekend. I've always been in bicycles. I love bicycles. Well, thank you very much. Ah, pleasure talking with you. So just like when young parents put their arms around each other at the end of a long day, in that exact moment the baby starts crying, or you're just about ready to settle down for a nice dinner and the smoke alarm goes off, well, when you go to record stuff, sometimes it's just as bad, if not worse. So. This, the Ryan's, poor Ryan's story was totally ruined by the amount of sounds going on in the background, but you have to believe that the sky turned dark and it was supernatural as well as all the other stuff that was going on. 
So enjoy this blooper of the story that might have been. Maybe I'll get them to retell it again in a future episode. Okay, Ryan, tell me your story. <laughs> so this is, yeah. All I have to do is hit record and that guy shows up. Yeah. You'll notice the wind picked up as well. Right. Be lightning next. We should return like this way. Zeus himself. Zeus himself. So so there's this story where my grandparents on my mother's side had or they have a um <laughs> This is hilarious. Okay. Well, we've reached an end of another episode of Bike Karma. Thank you very much for coming to check it out. If you like it at all, please leave a review on iTunes or become a follower or like on Podbean. It really helps to move it up in the results so that people who are looking for a bicycle podcast can find it. So I want to give a shout out to Oh Yeah for their review on iTunes. Thank you very much for that. Bump N62, thank you for following on Podbeam. And the Nick80, I really appreciate your comment about anticipating the next episode. Keller Glass and the band Mob Jack, really appreciate this great music that you provide for our opening and closing. You can check them out at mobjackmusic.com or Keller Glass. Also, thank you to everybody who has been supportive and helped give interviews and all the folks in this podcast who have just sat down and talked with me about bicycles. If you've got something that you'd like to talk about with bicycles, please give me a email or a direct message or a phone call. Uh, you can get all that information on the Facebook or Instagram page. And it's also bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. And I hope to talk to you soon. Also to Penny Farthing Dan way down in Australia, thank you so much for being patient while I try and figure out how to call you and record it for less than $10 a minute. I know it's really simple. I just have to figure it out and hopefully we'll get all that and more the next time on bike karma till then keep it wheel bicycle karma the bicycle karma project bike karma on facebook instagram itunes tumblr all those places and the really cool cat logo picture made by my daughter are all the intellectual property of tom brown copyright trademark all rights reserved and all that. Make it nice, everybody.